listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on this four-volume, over 2,500-page work of the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you'd like to follow along in your own four volumes, go over to Tan Books, and at checkout, after adding the Mystical City of God to your cart, use the code PODCAST15, and you'll save 15% off. And then, after today's reading, if you would like to discuss it with others who are listening and reading and following along, go over to Facebook, and there you can interact with other listeners as they share what touched them in the day's readings. Today is Day 61, and we are reading from Book 2, Chapter 8, and we'll be reading paragraphs 526 to 532. 526. The sources of this charity and love of our Princess Mary were her profound knowledge and wisdom, derived as well from her infused faith and hope as from the gifts of science, intellect, and wisdom given to her by the Holy Ghost. But the greatest of all the sources of her love were the intuitive and abstractive visions of the divinity. Through all these mediums, she reached the highest knowledge of the uncreated charity and drank of it at its very fountain. And as she thus learned how God was to be loved for his own sake, and the creature for the sake of God. Also, how to practice and execute this love with the most intense and fervent desire. Moreover, as the power of God found no impediment or hindrance, no inadvertence, ignorance, or imperfection, nor any tardiness of the will in this queen, it could operate in her according to his pleasure. This was not possible in other creatures, since in none of them it found the same disposition as in Most Holy Mary. 527. In her was the fulfillment of that great natural and divine precept, Thou shalt love thy God with thy whole heart, and with thy whole soul, and with thy whole strength. Mary alone satisfied this obligation and debt for all men, which in this life and before seeing God they neither knew nor could ever fulfill entirely. This lady fulfilled it more perfectly during her pilgrimage than the saints, even in the state of beatitude. Moreover, she also satisfied the intentions of God in regard to this precept, namely that it remained not unfruitful, and as it were frustrated on the part of wayfaring men. For most holy Mary by herself sanctified and fulfilled it, entirely for all of them, supplying by her charity all that was wanting in the fulfillment of this precept among men. And probably if God had not foreknown that Mary our Queen would be among the number of the mortals, he would not have given this command in this form. But on her account, he was pleased to give it to her. We owe not only this command of perfect charity, but also the adequate fulfillment of it among men. 5.28 O most sweet and most beautiful mother of beautiful love and charity, let all the nations know thee, let all the generations bless thee, and let all the creatures magnify and praise thee. Thou alone art the perfect one, the beloved one, the chosen mother of uncreated charity. It formed thee and selected thee to shine like the sun in thy most beautiful and most perfect love. Canticle 6.9 Let us all, miserable children of Eve, approach this sun in order to be enlightened and inflamed. Let us approach this mother in order to be born again in love. Let us approach this teacher in order to be taught the love, affection, and charity which is without defect. Love is a disposition which is pleased and satisfied with the thing loved. 
Affection is a selection and separation of the beloved from other of the same kind. And charity applied in addition to these a high appreciation and esteem for the goodness of the beloved. All this we will learn from the mother of true love, who is called by that name, precisely because her love possesses all these qualities. In her we learn to love God for his own sake, resting satisfied in him with all our heart, to give him a separate place in all our love from all that is not God, for loving him together with other things only diminishes our love of God. We learn to appreciate him and esteem him above gold and above all precious things, for in comparison with him all precious things are of no value. All beauty is ugliness, and all that is great and estimable in carnal eyes, because contemptible and valueless. Of the effects of this love of the Most Holy Mary, this whole history treats, and of them heaven and earth are full. Therefore, I will not stay to describe more particularly what no human tongue, nor words of men or angels can convey. Instructions given me by the Queen of Heaven. 5.29 My daughter, if I desire in maternal affection that thou follow me and imitate me in all the other virtues, then more especially do I make known and declare to thee my desire to see thee follow me in the virtue of charity. For this is the end and the crowning glory of all other virtues. I desire that thou exert thy utmost powers to copy in thy soul with the greatest perfection all that thou hast learnt of my charity. Light up the lamp of thy faith and reason in order to find this drachm of infinite value, and after thou hast, Luke 15.8, found it, forget and despise all that is earthly and corruptible. In thy own mind consider again and again, ponder and take heed of the infinite reasons and causes that make God lovable above all other things. In order that thou mayest be sure that thou lovest him perfectly and truly, search within thyself for the following signs and effects of that love, whether thy thought and meditation dwell continually on God, whether his commands and counsels find in thee no repugnance or remissness, whether thou fearest to offend him, whether thou seekest immediately to appease him after having offended him, whether thou grievest to see him offended and rejoicest to see him served by all creatures whether thou desirest and art delighted to speak continually of his love. See, whether thou delightest in the memory of his presence, whether thou grievest at thy forgetfulness of him and at his absence from thee, whether thou lovest what he loves and abhorrest what he abhors, whether thou seekest to draw all men towards his friendship and grace, whether thou prayest with confidence, see whether thou receivest with gratitude his benefits, whether thou dost not waste them, but rather turnst them to good account for his honor and glory whether thou strivest to extinguish in thyself all the movements of the passions which retard thee or hinder thee in thy loving aspirations and in thy works of virtue. 5.30 All these and many more are the signs of greater or less charity in the soul. When charity is ardent and strong, it will be especially careful not to suffer the forces of the soul to remain idle, nor to consent to any blemish, because it will immediately consume and wipe it out will not rest until it can taste the highest good of its love. For without it, this love droops, is wounded, and dies. It thirsts after that wine which inebriates the heart, causing a forgetfulness of all that is corruptible and passing. Canticle 5.1 And as charity is the mother and the root of all virtue, 
its fecundity will immediately show itself as soon as it has found a place in the soul. It will fill it and adorn it with the habits of the other virtues and engender them one after another by establishing the practice of them, as the Apostle says. 1 Corinthians 13.4 The soul that is in charity not only feels the effects of charity in itself, but through charity it is secure of being loved by God. Through this divine love it enjoys this reciprocal effect of God's indwelling, so that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost will come and live in it as their temple. And this is a blessing which no words and no example can properly express in this mortal life. 531. The right order of this virtue is to love God above all the creatures, then to love oneself and him who is nearest to oneself, namely our neighbor. God must be loved with the whole understanding, without deceit, with the whole will, without reserve or division, with the whole mind, without forgetfulness, without diminution, without negligence or remissness. The motive of charity and loving God is none else than God himself, for he must be loved for his own sake, being the highest good and the most perfect goodness and holiness. Loving God for such motives causes the creatures to love itself and the neighbor and itself, for both belong to one and the same God, from whom they derive their origin, their life, and their activity. He that loves God truly for himself will also love all that is of God and all that in some way participates in his goodness. Therefore, charity looks upon the neighbor as a work and a participation of God and makes no distinction between friend or enemy. Charity looks only upon that which is of God and which pertains to him and others. No matter whether the neighbor is friendly or hostile, a benefactor or a persecutor, it attends only to the difference in participation of the divine and infinite goodness, and according to this standard, it loves all in God and for God. 5.32 All other kinds of love, such as loving creatures for less exalted motives, hoping for some kind of reward, advantage, or return, or loving them under cover of disorderly concupiscence, or with a mere human and natural love, even if it should spring from naturally virtuous and well-ordered motives, are not infused charity. As it is usual in men to be moved by these partial excellences and for selfish and earthly ends, there are few who embrace and appreciate the nobility of this generous virtue, and who exercise it with proper perfection. For they seek even God, and pursue Him, for the sake of temporal blessings, or for the spiritual benefits and pleasures. I desire that thou, my daughter, drive out of thy heart all these disorderly loves, that thou live only in well-ordered charity, to which the Most High has inclined thy desires. If thou so many times reaffirmest that this virtue is so beautiful, so pleasing, and so worthy of being sought, and esteemed by all creatures, apply thyself to know it in its full excellence. And having come to understand its value, set thyself to purchase this incomparable gem by forgetting and extinguishing in thy heart all love that is not the perfect love. Love no creatures except for God, and for what thou seest in them as coming from God and belonging to him. In the same manner as a bride loves all the servants and connections of the house of her bridegroom, because they are his, forget to love anything not referable to God, or not lovable on his account nor love in any other way, except as I have asked thee, or the Most High has commanded thee to love. Thou wilt also know whether thou lovest with pure charity by thy behavior towards friends and enemies, the naturally agreeable and disagreeable, the polite and the impolite, those that possess or do not possess natural advantages. All this sort of distinction does not come from pure charity, but from natural inclinations and passions of the appetites, 
which thou must govern, extinguish, and eradicate by means of this sublime virtue. This concludes our reading today for day 61. Today we have been reading from Volume 1, Book 2, Chapter 8, Paragraphs 526 to 532. We completed Chapter 8 today. One of the greatest distinctions when it comes to love, especially love of God, comes to us from St. Bernard of Clairvaux. St. Bernard of Clairvaux said that we could love ourselves for self's sake, we could love God for self's sake, we could love God for God's sake, or we could love ourselves for God's sake. Basically, what does this mean? Well, the first degree of love is self-centered. God doesn't even enter into the equation. In the second, you love God because God can do something for you, loving God for self's sake. I turn to him when I need something or some trouble befalls me. The third degree, then, is loving God because of who God is, realizing that he is all good and loving, and so I know who you are, God, and because of who you are, I love you. And I want to express that love. Now, the fourth is a purified love, loving self for God's sake. And really, this love will not be attained in this life. It's only one that will be attained in eternity. It is loving God as God loves and loving yourself as God loves you. And so we'll understand that in the kingdom of heaven. So take this principle, and which one is it? For your love of God and maybe even your love of neighbor. Do I love my neighbor because my neighbor can do something for me? They're useful. It's a utilitarian love. It's a friendship of utility, as Aristotle would say. So why do I love the other person? Why do I love God? Is it I love God because of who God is? Or is it I love God because maybe I treat God like a magic genie bottle? So we want to have a purified love. And this is the type of love that the Blessed Mother had for Almighty God. It's the love that she would have for the Lord Jesus himself. This was a beautiful reflection that Maria Vagrida gave us. In her, in Mary, we learn to love God for his own sake. So loving God for God's sake. Resting satisfied in him with all our heart to give him a separate place in all our love from all that is not God. For loving him together with other things only diminishes our love of God. We learn to appreciate him and esteem him above gold and above all precious things. For in comparison with him, all precious things are of no value. All beauty is ugliness, so forth and so on. But to learn from Mary how to love God for who God is. Mary has that disposition to love God because she is without sin. There is nothing that is blocking her. For us, we have other hindrances. And that's why in the instruction that the Blessed Mother gives to Maria Vagarda, she says, I desire that thou, my daughter, drive out of thy heart all these disorderly loves, and that thou live only in well-disordered charity, to which the Most High has inclined thy desires. And so we're going to work on that love. We're going to drive out disordered love so that the correctly ordered love will be love of God. And that from that love of God that we have, our love for everything else will flow. 
that nothing will disrupt us from that love of God. Well, what disrupts us? Well, it's sin. Sometimes sin will take us out of the love of God. God doesn't stop loving us, but we have removed ourselves from God's love when we choose certain sins, especially mortal sin. So these are all things for us to be aware of. And I know on the Facebook group, a lot of people have been saying, you know, I'm a little intimidated by who the Blessed Mother is. She's really purified. This is a big ideal for us to strive for. And really what I think we come to realize is that we can begin asking to become more like this. I'm not going to have a purified, non-disordered love tomorrow. But every day I can keep asking God, Lord, I want to love you as I should. I want you to remove in my life anything that is preventing me from loving you. Make me aware of the things. And so it's once we begin praying like that, it's taking what we've read and conversing with God and saying, Lord, I want you to remove anything that prevents me from loving you. And God is going to show you those things. I'm confident of that. Have that trust and have that faith. In our episode on faith, just a few chapters ago, I actually read or prayed the act of faith. I thought it'd be appropriate for us to end today with the act of love. Oh my God, I love thee above all things, with my whole heart and soul, because thou art all good and worthy of all my love. I love my neighbor as myself for love of thee. I forgive all who have injured me, and I ask pardon for all whom I have injured. Let's make an act of love every day, asking God to help us to love him better. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the mystical city of God. I'm so grateful you joined me today, and I look forward to being with you again tomorrow. May God bless you, and Mary pray for you.